morning, everybody. My name is Mark. I get the privilege of serving as Director of Student Ministries here at Ward, and I want to welcome you to another encouraging message from Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes about how, yes, even work is also meaningless. We've been going through this experiment and reading through the book of Ecclesiastes, and what's happening at this point is, is Solomon's kind of reflecting on his life and all of the things that he tried to do to figure out purpose in life. All the things that he considered meaningless, he's kind of driving at what it was that actually gave him meaning and purpose in this life. So as I was getting ready for the message this week, I started thinking, um, what is it that gives my life meaning or purpose? If, if I were to sit back like Solomon does in Ecclesiastes and think, what is it that I think gives my life meaning? What would I think? Would I think about how maybe my family, we have four kids and they're all, you know, kind of good kids. And um, just kidding, Micah, that was a joke. Um, but they're all pretty good. Uh, I have a great marriage with my wife, love my wife. Uh, she loves me. And so maybe that's where I find purpose. Or maybe is it in the fact of what Jenny talked about last week when she talked about possessions? Do I find fulfillment in my super cool 2017 Ford Focus? Which is, uh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. It's in the parking lot if anyone wants to take pictures or whatever. Um, but what is it? What is it that I do? Or maybe, maybe it's my work that defines who I am. Maybe, maybe it's my job. You know, whenever we're at a family gathering or something like that, my extended family who, don't, they don't go to church necessarily all too often, but when they introduce me, they say, this is my nephew, Mark, the minister. And I'm like, wow, I got to get one of those robes, you know, and wear one. Uh, uh, yes, I'm the minister. Um, but uh, so maybe is it in the fact of what my job is? But then I think about, I don't necessarily know if I want the first thing people to know about me is that I'm a pastor because I don't even think that necessarily defines me. But we do this a lot in our culture, right? We try to define people by what they do. I mean, after all, when you meet someone for the first time, after exchanging names, what's the first question you ask? So what do you do? You know, where do you work? What kind of work are you in? We kind of think about it as that is the first glimpse into who a person is we judge by what they do. I remember I was at my cousin Aaron's wedding and uh, he had sat us, Lisa and I, at a table with some other um, younger people, whatever, so we could mix and mingle with them. And for some reason or another, I don't remember why, but everyone at our table was off getting something to drink or something like that. And it was just me and this guy sitting at the table who I didn't know. So, you know, I introduced myself. I asked him what his name was and then I asked him the question, so what do you do? And he said, well... I, I don't really, people tend to judge me when I tell them what I do for a living. And I was like, man, bring it on. I, I, uh, I, I would love to hear it. So he said, um, well, I'm a police officer. And I said, wow, that's amazing. Thank you so much for uh, your dedication, your sacrifice to protect the people in your community. That's a really honorable job. And he was like, yeah, thanks, man. And he goes, so what do you do? And I said, well, I'm a pastor. And I'm not even exaggerating this story. He put his hand in front of his drink. He had like a, I don't know, some kind of drink. And then he picked it up 
and he walked away from the table. <laughs> Didn't even say anything. He just walked, and I'm like, yeah, that's the reaction I usually get. Either that, or people start confessing all their sins to me. Oh, I haven't been to church in a long time. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's fine. That's okay, go back. Um, but I, <laughs> I wonder if you've ever been there before, though. I know my job's kind of different, but I wonder, whatever your job is, if you've ever been in a place where someone asks you what you do and you answer, but you feel like, but that's just a part of who I am. There's a lot more to what makes me, me. I mean, let's be honest. If we base the whole of who we are on a job, what happens when we lose that job or when we switch jobs or what happens when we make it as far in that job as we can? And we get to a point where we're asking, does this really fulfill me? Is this who I am? So we look to our passage today in Ecclesiastes and Solomon is pondering some of these same things. Now, you look at the life of Solomon. If there was ever anyone who might want to be defined by what their job was or what their work was or what they'd accomplished, this would be the guy. He had worked his whole life. He was the king of Israel. And not only was he king, but he's known in Christian and secular circles alike as the wisest king to have ever lived. He ruled over the nation of Israel in their prime. He, he had basically anything he could ask or imagine. And, and he was ruling this nation and the nation thrived under his leadership. So you think if there was anyone who was like, yeah, I'm king of Israel, man, you know, that'd be him. I mean, if I was in his shoes, I'd tell everybody, hi, I'm the king of Israel. Mark, nice to meet you, you know, because it was a really good job. And he had gotten about as far as he could get. He had gotten them as powerful as they could be. And yet even Solomon, the greatest king to have ever lived, is looking back on the things he had done. And he says, you know what? Well, this is his reflection. This is what he says. In verse 18 of our passage, we'll start there. He says, I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish, yet they will have control over all the fruit of my toil into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. The interesting thing about what Solomon says here is he was kind of right because the person that would succeed him as king of Israel was his son, Rehoboam. And once Rehoboam took over, the kingdom that Solomon had built kind of started crumbling. Under Rehoboam's leadership, we see the split in the kingdom of Israel into two kingdoms, the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. So all Solomon had worked for, he was right. It was starting to crumble once he left it behind. The passage continues, and it, I'm just going to warn you, it doesn't really get better from there. So verse 20, he says, So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. For a person may labor with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then they must leave all they own to another who has not toiled for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. What do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? All their days, their work is grief and pain. Even at night, their minds do not rest. This too is meaningless. So when I got this passage uh, given to me by Pastor Terrence, I, I read through uh, the passage that I was to be preaching on and I'm like, well, 
There's no really hope to be found in this passage, right? In fact, I was doing some research on the book of Ecclesiastes and some scholars even debate whether it is just a book of total despair or if it's a really hopeful book. My hope and prayer is that you find some hope in the message we're going to share this morning. So as I was reading this passage, it reminded me a lot of another guy in the Bible whose name was Paul, or we refer to him as the Apostle Paul. And, and he had kind of similar experience. There was something that he had been working his entire life for, and he did it really, really well. He, he, he got him a job that gave him a lot of importance, a lot of wealth, power, notoriety. In fact, let me share this passage with you. This is from Philippians chapter 3, verse 5. This is Paul talking about all the work he had done. He says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew, if there ever was one. So Paul is saying that right from the beginning of his life, he started working for what he accomplished. In fact, if you, if you read about it in Jewish tradition, from the time boys were five or six years old, they were already learning about the history of the people of Israel, the kings, the kingdoms, the wars, the rumors of wars. Five or six years old. Five or six years old, I was learning how to tie my shoes by myself, which I learned and I do pretty well. Thank you. Um, but they started learning all this history, five or six years old. And then from the time they were six, that from that point forward, they started memorizing the first five books of the Bible, which is known as the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They started memorizing that. And by the time they were 10 years old, they had all those books memorized. Have you ever read Leviticus and Deuteronomy? They're not like fun books to memorize, okay? There's a lot of laws, a lot of rules, a lot of customs. 10 years old. They had it memorized. So Paul did all of this and he did it very well. He put all the work in. He did all the time. He did all the studying. In fact, in verse 6 of Philippians chapter 3, he says, As for righteousness based on the law, I am faultless. So where our story picks up, he had it all. Everything he had worked his entire life for, he had arrived. He was a Pharisee, which if you don't know what a Pharisee is, they're basically teachers of the law, and they're also interpreters of the law. So along with that job came a lot of influence for Paul. And not only influence over people and their everyday decisions and their trying to follow the law, but also influence over the law itself. He had political influence because back then religion was tied pretty closely to religion or to politics. So he had influence there as well, influence over people. And he had power because people respected that position of Pharisee. Everything he could have hoped to have worked for and accomplished was his. And here's how much it went, meant to him. Philippians 3, 7. But whatever were gains to me, meaning everything he sought after, meaning everything he worked his entire life for, money, power, respect, he says, I now consider loss. It's interesting, isn't it? He doesn't just say it's meaningless, or he doesn't even say in the CSB version, a translation of the Bible, it's, it uses the word futile instead of meaningless. But he doesn't even say that. He actually considers it all a negative. And the passage continues. I now consider loss for the sake 
of Christ. What's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ and the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. See, what so many of us are working towards, toiling after, right? What so many of us, whether it's the perfect job or whether it's enough money, Or whether, like Jenny talked about last week, it's the possessions that we have. Paul says all of those things, whatever it is that we are seeking out our jobs to fulfill us, Paul says all of that stuff is garbage. And actually, a better translation, if you look at the original language, the Greek language that Paul was writing in, the word he uses here for garbage is the word skubala. And that word skubala is more accurately translated as dung. Yeah, Paul talks about poop in his epistle there. And he says, all of this stuff I had worked for, all the toiling, all the work I have done is about as good to me as a big old pile of dung. Now, I know uh, Terrence loves doing his visual aids when he preaches. So I followed my dog outside earlier. And then I thought, you know, better not bring poop into the sanctuary. That'd be, that'd be weird. So I didn't bring it with me today. But, Yeah, I actually, I looked up this word and what it meant. And basically, Paul, everything he was pursuing when compared to the fullness of knowing Jesus Christ was a bunch of garbage. So if all this work and toiling under the sun is garbage, then what role does work play in fulfilling us? Because we know work is important. We know God calls us to work. So what role does it play if it's all garbage anyway? Well, I think there's basically three points I want to share with you this morning that kind of summarize what work means to us, what it means to our pursuit of following Jesus Christ while we're here on this earth. And I want to start with this. The first point in this is the fact that you were made by him. You were created by God. In Psalm 139, David reflects on this, verses 13 through 14. He says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. See, it's pretty wild because a lot of the time we as people, we like to kind of categorize other people. We want to think we can learn about them by knowing what their job is. Or by knowing, do they have a lot of kids or no kids? Are they married, unmarried? We try to put everybody into compartments so we can know who people are. But the reality is, according to this verse, people are so much more than that. People are fearfully and wonderfully made, knit together in their mother's womb with unique gifting. And God knows every part of who we are to our very inmost being. So I think it's important in this whole conversation of trying to, you know, find what completes us, what makes us who we are. I think it's important to start here and say beyond everything we do, beyond our characteristics, beyond our families, beyond everything else, this is who we are. 
We were made by God. Let's start there. So we were made by him. And what's more, we were made for him. We were made for him. 1 Corinthians 10.31, which Paul also writes, he says this, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, which I'm imagining includes our jobs or our work, whatever we do, do it all for the glory of God. This was, a, this was an interesting concept for me to grasp, and I struggled with it, especially when I was younger. And uh, so I started asking questions like, so if God only created us to glorify himself, is, is he then just selfish, or is he then just trying to brag to himself how great he is? But the, all that changed when I got to know God myself, and I had my personal relationship with him, and I understood that he created me with this unique gifting to glorify him with everything that I do. Not because he's selfish or he needs praise from me or anything like that, but because he is glorified when he sees the work that his children do. So do it all to the glory of God. And the, and the interesting thing is when we grasp this, when we grasp doing everything in our lives to the glory of God, it changes the way we live our lives. When we, when we go to work in the morning, whether it's a job you like or you don't like, but when you go into work thinking, you know what, today everything I do is going to be for God's glory. Not my personal advancement, not to show other people how great I am, but I am going to do it all for God's glory. Every conversation I have, every meeting I have that I might or might not want to be in, Enter into it thinking, you know what? This meeting, I want to glorify God with how I interact with these people. Even how I interact with coworkers or whether even our own families. Think about that. Think about if every small conversation we had with our kids or our spouse or our brothers or sisters, if we looked at that conversation and said, you know what? No matter what happens in this conversation, my goal is to glorify God. What happens when we start looking at it through that lens, then all of a sudden, all these seemingly small interactions, all these seemingly small tasks that we do take on an eternal significance. Because we start looking through life at, through the lens of God. And how can I bring him glory with this conversation, with this interaction? You start to see every interaction with your kids if you have kids as a conversation that could have eternal implications. And you say, you know what? This interaction, I'm going to choose to glorify God. So we are made by him. We are made for him, for his glory. And at the end of the day, you are found in him. Philippians 3.8, Paul writes, Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ. We were created to find ourselves, to find true meaning, true purpose, true fulfillment in glorifying our Father. Think about Paul's example and Solomon, everything they had worked for, they had accomplished. 
Everything they sought after their entire lives they had received. And now you see Solomon in Ecclesiastes 2 looking back on all of it and saying, this was all meaningless. It meant nothing. You see Paul looking back on all the work, all the hours he had invested into becoming the best Pharisee he could be. And he's looking back at all that and saying, man, that was all just a waste compared to knowing Jesus Christ and being united with him. Everything this world had to offer belonged to these two gentlemen. And they say it's all meaningless when compared to their new life or for Paul, his new life in Christ Jesus. We are made by God for God and we are fulfilled in him. So what's our big idea today? It's actually, it's pretty simple. If you want to find yourself, if you find yourself wondering at the end of the day, like Solomon did, staying up at night, wondering what's all this for? What is all this leading to? Then I invite you to say these next three words with me. I am his. Can we say it together? I am his. Sorry, I added more spacing. That threw us off a little bit, but it was beautiful anyway. I am his. Imagine with me if we as disciples of Jesus Christ, for those of you who've accepted Christ, if we, could, if we could focus every day of our lives on today, I know that I am his and I am gonna live to glorify him with everything I do. It would change the way we interact with people. I'm convinced this sounds crazy, but it could change the entire world if all those who consider themselves disciples of Jesus decided, you know what? I'm not gonna live for my glory. I'm not gonna live for my fulfillment, but everything I do, whether I eat or drink or whatever else I do with my life, I'm gonna do it to the glory of the one who created me. How would that change our church? How would that change our area? How would that change our world? I think our selfishness would be turned to selflessness. I think our anger would be turned to joy. I think our greed would be turned to generosity. Our meaninglessness would change to fulfillment. And most importantly, our hate would turn to love. And I know there's probably some of you here today that are saying, yeah, that all sounds great, but maybe you haven't decided yet to give your life to Jesus Christ and you're wondering, okay, this doesn't really help me saying I am his to a him that I don't really believe in or follow. So how could that possibly do anything for me? Well, I want you to imagine something with me real quick. I want you to imagine that God is real, that you are more than just a cosmic accident more than just a couple billion atoms that dropped into place by some crazy random happenstance. I want you to imagine that love is more than just a chemical reaction. I want you to imagine that music and art and beauty are things that were given to us, not because there's some clicking in our brain that tells us they're good, but because God has created us with an appreciation for beauty. And the one who wrote the whole story, the story of love, story of fulfillment, wants to be your friend. He wants to reveal to you what real love is, what real hope is, what real joy is. And it's quite simple, really. It starts with just entering into a relationship with him by accepting him into your heart and then allowing him to open your eyes more and more 
to who he made you to be and what it means to glorify him with every part of your life. It starts with the relationship. It starts with trust. And it can start right now. God is waiting to meet you and accept you through his son, Jesus Christ. If you just accept it, because at the end of the day, as Solomon learned, there is nothing under the sun, not even our careers, not even our work that will fulfill us. So instead, let's try looking to something higher. Would you pray with me? God, we come to you this morning, I think sometimes relating all too well to the passage we read from Ecclesiastes 2. Thinking about things like, what are we working for? Who are we working for? What good is the work that we are doing? Is it any good to anybody? And God, I'm so thankful for Paul's example that he said, at the end of the day, yeah, everything before Christ was a loss. But now everything with Christ real purpose, real truth, real fulfillment. God, I pray for anyone here who says, you know what? Yeah, today, this day, I want to give my life to Jesus so I can start on this path of glorifying him with everything I do and understanding his real plan for real love. God, I pray that you would invite them into your presence today, that they would accept you into their hearts so they can begin living that fulfilled life that Paul had after encountering the risen Savior. God, I pray that you be with all of us this week as we go out from this place. Help us to daily remind ourselves that we are yours and help us to recommit daily to do everything, everything we do for your glory. And we pray these things in your son's name. Amen.